I want to finish what Leslie started speaking to in 1 Peter chapter 4. It's on the screens. The title for today's message is The Thing I Seek Most. So this is 1 Peter 4. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Serving others is at the heart of the gospel and is one of the primary ways we can manifest his kingdom on earth. That is our vision, our mission, and our culture statement at Lifeway. Kingdom come. And through serving one another and serving our community and serving the lost and the broken and the struggling, we manifest his kingdom, his love, his grace, his compassion, his goodness, his healing through serving. Leslie read this in a children's book a couple weeks ago called The King's Way of Life. And this was the, the theme of the book, rule like a servant and serve like a king. Lifting up others is the best thing. Rule with the heart of a servant. And when you serve, serve with the heart of a king. Lifting up others is the best thing. Even Jesus said in Matthew, he said, I did not come to be served. This is the son of God. This is the long-awaited Messiah for thousands of years. He is now here. And they expected him to be a great military leader and, and ride in and overthrow the Roman government and set up his kingdom on earth. And Jesus, the eternal son of God, says, I did not even come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That's the heart we are to be led with. That is kingdom, how we serve as important as serving is, it must be, listen to me, serving must be a genuine response to a relationship, not a religious duty. I wanna say that again, because it's very important. What we do, how we serve, must be in response to our relationship with the Father and not a religious duty that we feel forced or compelled to do. Three words that have defined 2021. What are they? You know them. Intimacy, identity, increase. Intimacy forms identity, and out of knowing who we are as sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, seated in heavenly places, comes increase, and not just material increase, but an increase of peace, an increase of joy, an increase of hope, an increase of blessing, an increase of kingdom on earth. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. Increase, but it starts with intimacy. Our identity is formed through daily intimacy with the Father. How many of you have, you don't have to raise your hands, but you have a quiet time, devotions, 
you know, that quality time with the Father where you're not distracted by anything else but him. I hope you do. Because your identity is birthed and formed in those moments of intimacy with the Father, not through what you do. So many times we get so much satisfaction and so much joy out of what we do for God, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it can't be where our identity is formed. The enemy knows this. See, the enemy, I've heard it said before, if the enemy can't keep you sinning, he'll keep you busy. If the enemy can't keep you sinning, he'll keep you busy. And the enemy uses guilt and shame and condemnation and anything else he can to distract you away from intimacy with the Father. It's his greatest deception. You you know, you did this yesterday. You had this thought. You've done this for so long. How dare you think that you can come into the presence of God? And he uses your past and he uses your mistakes and he uses social media. He uses your phones. He uses other relationships in your life, not necessarily sin, but other things to distract you and deter you from intimacy. If our identity is formed in what we do, what happens when we can't do it anymore? If my identity is formed by being a pastor, what happens if I can't be a pastor anymore? I have an identity crisis is what happens because everything I am comes from being a pastor and not being a son. Where is your identity? Is it in what you do or is it in who you are as a son of the king, a daughter of the king? That's where it has to be, to be one with him. See, with the best of intentions, our service can become self-serving. More about feeling accomplished and pleasing our own ego rather than pleasing the Father. With the best of intentions, our service can become self-serving because if your identity is found in what you do, you keep doing what you do because it, okay, this is who I am because it's what I do. So then what you do, you do it because that's who you feel like you are. And that's where you get your identity from. And it's more about serving yourself than it really is about pleasing the Father. Jesus said, in that day, you will say, I cast out demons in your names. I perform miracles in your name. I did all of this in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because it's not about what you do. It's about, do you know him? The doing comes from the knowing him. But so often we get the cart before the horse and our life is all about what I need to do and what I do and I find satisfaction and purpose and identity in what I do. And then something happens and I can't do it anymore and I'm lost, I don't know who I am. I feel like my life is collapsing because my entire life has been built upon the foundation of my service and not upon my identity as a son. And that's a dangerous place to get. And it's an easy place to get to because intimacy scares us sometimes. Being that real and that vulnerable with the Father and with others, it's frightening to us. 
And so we divert from intimacy and we go full throttle into what can I do? What can I do? And that's important. We just had an entire team up here talking about the ways we can serve because that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of the gospel. But our service must come from our intimacy. What pleases me most? What pleases you most? Is it his presence? There's no place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Then down at the bar, down at the bar, then hanging with friends, then going to Target, Katie Newsom, then going to Target. <laughs> My daughter was in the car last night. We had to drive to Menards, and we're driving home. And my four-year-old daughter goes, Daddy, I want to go to Target. <laughs> we have a problem, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Train up a child in the way they should go. No. In all seriousness, no. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love. Here in your presence. How many of you were with us on Wednesday night this past week? Okay, so you've already heard this, but I'm gonna share it again. I wasn't planning to do this, but Bradley wanted to do it. Bradley is one of my best friends. And Bradley sent me a text message on Wednesday night, or on Wednesday morning, I'm sorry. And he said, hey, buddy. So, Service going to be good tonight? LOL. He's kidding. The Buckeyes play Iowa tonight at 7 o'clock. My only response, Psalm 8410. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. And we had a good banter back and forth. Brad, and, and, yeah, and then come to find out, he had the, the date wrong. They didn't even play till Thursday night. But it was so cool, though, because it set up the entire service on Wednesday night. And the Holy Spirit really did use it. It was, it was pretty amazing, actually. Better is one day in his presence. Psalm 84, it's on the screens. This is David. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Then verse 10, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. I long, I faint with longing to be in your presence my whole being, my body, my soul. A single day with you is better than a thousand anywhere else. I love how the Passion Translation translates this verse. For just one day of intimacy with you is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. One day of intimacy with you, Father, is like a thousand days of joy rolled into one. Isn't that good? Is that how you feel? One day 
with him. This is the same man who said these words, Psalm 27, 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, that's the title of today's message, the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. This is King David, the man who could literally have anything at the sound of his voice. And he had it all. He had the looks. He had the charm. He had the power. He had the money. He had it all. The giant killer, the lion slayer, king of Israel. And he said, I can have anything I want, but the one thing I want most is to live in your house, God. All the days of my life, I want nothing more than that. I want nothing more than your presence. David longed more than anything to live in the presence of God daily. What was David known as? Say it. Do you know why David was known as a man after God's own heart? Because the heart of God wants intimacy. The heart of God wants relationship. He was known as a man after God's own heart because the heart of the father craves intimacy and relationship with his children. That's why. Because his heart echoed the heart of the father. A man after God's own heart. A man after what God wanted most. And that was relationship. Luke 24, 9. The first recorded words of Jesus. Get this. Jesus was born. Fast forward to when he's 12 years old, we get these words. Then it's another almost 20 years before the next recorded words of Jesus we can find in Scripture. So literally, in 30 years of his life, we have this sentence. For the first 30 years that God walked on earth, we have this. Jesus said, why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Mary and Joseph had lost their son. And they were a few days into the journey from Jerusalem when they realized, oh my gosh, Jesus isn't with us. I don't know what was going on in that specific situation, but man, a few days into the trip and you just now realize you don't have the son of God with you? Oops. Right? I don't know. They must have been doing something else. But anyway, so they get back to Jerusalem and they find Jesus. They're like, Jesus, what were you doing? And Jesus says, you know, they're, they're looking all over the place and he goes, why did you need to search for me? Didn't you know where I would be? I'm with my father. I must. He didn't say I wanted to be. He said, I must be with him. I must be in my father's house consumed with him. Read this quote with me. It's on the screen. These weren't, oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on. Luke 5, this is now further into his ministry. You can find these verses sprinkled all throughout the Gospels. 
but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. I'm gonna say something a little bit controversial. This is not me, but I believe it. How was Jesus able to live a sinless life? How was he able to live a sinless life? Was it because he didn't have a sinful nature? Adam and Eve didn't have a sinful nature. Jesus was tempted in every single way that we were, yet was without sin because of this. It was the value that he placed on his relationship with the Father that enabled him to discern every lie and every temptation of the enemy. Jesus didn't, he wasn't born with perfect wisdom. The Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature. But he was born, even at 12 years old, he said, I gotta be with my dad. I have to be with him. When Jesus, he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Here's the quote. These weren't patronizing scraps tossed God's way. They were intentional and intimate moments of connection during which nothing else caught Jesus' eye. See, Jesus didn't give God the leftovers of his day. Well, Father, you know, I got this to do. I got so many people to heal, so many people to set free, so many blind eyes to be open. I gotta teach these, you know, brain-dead disciples. I gotta keep, you know, doing what I need to be doing. And God, if I have any more time left today, then I'll be with you. You know, often it says Jesus got up before anybody else did early in the morning, in the dark of the morning and went out into the wilderness to pray. He did it all the time because the value he placed on his relationship with his father superseded anything else in his life. There was nothing more important to him, nothing else more important than being with his father. Do you wanna know why Jesus was never annoyed at anybody? Because he had been with his father. You wanna know why Jesus was never rushed or stressed out to get anywhere? because he had been with his father. Intimacy puts everything else in our lives into perspective. Intimacy puts everything else in our lives into perspective. John 17, three, this is probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, John 17. It's Jesus's prayer for himself, for his disciples, and then for us. And he says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Look at that. This is eternal life. Not going to heaven. This is eternal life, that they know you, know you, and that we know Jesus. See, eternity is an eternal relationship, not just an eternal span of time. It's an eternal relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it starts, some of you in this room, if you gave your life to Christ today, eternity started right then. Because right then you stepped into a relationship. So good. See, the goal, the goal is not to be the person in the room who knows the most about God. I felt like that sometimes. We, Leslie and I went to Bible school and it was, very competitive in some sort, you know, to, well, I think this, and, you know, I think this, and you debate theology and doctrine, and, 
all, that's, that's great, it's fun. But the goal should never be the, to be the one in the room who knows the most about God. Pastor Mark Greenwood, he says this, your revelation is only as good as the intimacy it produces. What you know is only as good as the intimacy it produces. See, new revelation should draw us into deeper levels of intimacy. You learn something new about God, you gotta get with God. You gotta experience it. You gotta learn his heart, his nature, who he is, how he thinks, how he speaks, what he sounds like. And the more you learn about him, the revelation that you receive, it draws you back into a deeper level of intimacy with him. Intimacy is the ultimate purpose for the Christian life. Not the only purpose. The ultimate purpose of the Christian life is intimacy with God. See, the same is true in our human relationships. I gave this example on Wednesday night. Leslie and I this year will celebrate 15 years of complete wedded bliss, people. It's unbelievable. I am telling the truth. I can't lie. So we, um, we courted each other for five years before we were married. I was 14 years old. And literally, I would come home from school. And back then, you know, we didn't have these um, and communication for us because we didn't go to school together. She was homeschooled, I was public school. Um, had to be done over a house phone. Some of you don't even know what those are anymore. <laughs> but literally, I would come home and before I would call 330-339-7321, I would write down a list of things to talk about because I didn't wanna run out of things to talk about on the phone with her. Because guess what? The more I learned about who she was, the more I wanted to spend time with her. The more revelation of who she was, her heart, what she liked, what she didn't like, what her dreams were, how much she liked me, you know? I wanted to spend even more time with her. And that's what happens the more you learn about someone, the more you want to get to know them, or you learn that you don't want to get to know them. <laughs> it's one of two things. Intimacy, it's the same. And intimacy is an invitation. Intimacy is an invitation, not a duty. You need to write that down. Intimacy is an invitation, not a duty. And through intimacy, we learn the heart and the nature of the Father. Okay, we've been on a harvest series, right? This, this, the beginning part of this year in January. You see, when you are found and rooted in intimacy with the Father, you learn what he's like. You learn his nature. I learn his heart. I learn who he is. Then I can accurately represent him to the world. You wanna know why the church has gotten such a bad name over the years? It's because... We're not spending time with him. We're not learning what he is really like, how he really speaks, what his heart really is. Thereby, we can't accurately represent him. And we represent what, more about what we think culture should be like, more what we think our world should be like instead of what he thinks our world should be like. 
It's because everything is found in intimacy. Everything flows out of intimacy with the Father. It has to come from that place. I don't want to be known for knowing the most or doing the most. I want to be known for knowing him. I want to be a man after God's own heart. Known for knowing him. And everything else flows out of intimacy. And I know this can be a struggle for most people. It's a struggle for me many, many days. I would rather sleep another hour than wake up. Right? We can make any excuse in the world we want. But at the end of the day, what our priority is, is what we give our time to. If our priority is the Father, we will give time, everything to him. I want to read this to you. Listen to these words. What are you in love with? What seizes your imagination will affect everything. It will decide what will get you out of bed in the morning, what you will do with your evenings, how you spend your weekends, what you read, whom you know, what breaks your heart, and what amazes you with joy and gratitude. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything. Pedro Arupe, I think is how you pronounce his last name. What are you in love with? Who are you in love with? It decides everything. Jesus was in love with his father. David was in love with his father. Fall in love, stay in love, and it will decide everything for you. We have to be in love with our father. I'll leave you with this. Jesus was traveling and entered into a certain village and a lady named Martha pulled him into her home. She wanted to host. Leslie was just talking about that. She was a hostess and she wanted to host Jesus. So she pulls Jesus in and I'm sure his disciples were with them. And so Mary was Martha's sister and they get inside the house and Martha's just going crazy. She's like, okay, she's getting this ready. She's cooking the, the dinner. She's making sure everything is set and ready to go. And she's busy, 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 doing, 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 serving, serving, serving. And Mary, where is Mary? She's sitting right at the feet of Jesus. And of course, you know, Martha probably walks by one time. All right, Mary's sitting there. Comes back through the room. She's still sitting there. Walks back through the room again. Mary, are you kidding me? There's so much that needs to be done. You're just sitting. You're not doing anything. And she's frustrated with her sister because she's doing what she thinks, Martha, is the most important thing, and that's getting things ready to serve Jesus. And what is Jesus' response right here? There is only one thing, he, he probably looked Martha dead in the eyes, and he said, Martha, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and everything else, guys, will flow out of that. And that's intimacy. That's sitting at the feet of Jesus and just spending time with him every day. It cannot be neglected. 
there is nothing else more important in my life. Not my wife, not my kids, my ministry, my home, my legacy. Nothing is more important than every day me getting at the feet of Jesus and saying, what do you want to say to me today? What do we want to do today, Holy Spirit? That is the most important thing. That is the thing I seek most is his presence. I want to be a person of his presence. Not just a doer. His presence is better than anything. The one thing I ask, the one thing I seek most is to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Don't let another day go by without getting alone with your father, valuing those moments of intimacy because from those places is where everything else comes. Then you will be empowered to serve. You will be empowered to reach your friend or your coworker or your family member for Christ. You will be fully equipped, fully empowered. And you won't feel like, oh, all I continually do is just pour out and pour out and pour out and I feel like I'm running on empty because I don't have anything else to pour out. I'm burnt out, I'm exhausted. This life is not exciting, it's a drag. Every morning I wake up, I'm just tired. I don't feel any purpose, I don't feel any peace. I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know who I am. How many have found themselves in that place at one point in time? And I guarantee you it's because we have neglected intimacy with the Father. The ultimate purpose for the Christian life is intimacy. Will you stand with me? Come on, sing with me. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love, than here in your love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. And I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Cause I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. Sing it to him. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. A single day in your presence is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes 
of the wicked. Father, may that be the cry of our heart. One thing I ask, one thing I seek most is to dwell with you in your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. May this burn like a fire within us that consumes our hearts. You are the most important thing. And from time in your presence, intimacy with our Father, everything else flows. It's not forced. It's not striving. It flows. May we keep you at the center of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.